Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2016. Today we'll, we'll be reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are currently on page 39. Uh, we're at the first paragraph. And today's readers, we have Martha D. on the 12 steps. We have Barbara N. on the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text this morning, we have Amy G., Katie F., and Gail T. The uh, reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, March 1st, is 8502. That's 8502. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We, have, we are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Martha D. to read the 12 Steps. Martha? Good morning, Larry, and thank you for your service. This is Martha D. in Pennsylvania. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made a direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs, and I pass. Thank you, Martha. Okay, let me ask now for Barbara N., if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 traditions. Barbara? Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Barbara N. in New York. The 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. <coughs> less, <clears throat> excuse me, less money, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Barbara. Okay, let me tell you how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one again to mute your phone. In order uh, to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we're going to resume our, our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous again. Here we are on page 39, the first paragraph. Uh, and the first paragraph is going to start, that may be true of certain non-alcoholic people. And let me ask uh, Amy G. to get us uh, kicked off here. Amy? Good morning, Larry. This is Amy G. Can you hear me okay? Can hear you great. Great. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, through drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. 
This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good, he has a fine home, he is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He is also, he is so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of the jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so, in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept the spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober for the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Well, let's review here. We're in the chapter of more about alcoholism, and what are we learning more about? We are learning about the greater aspect of this disease, which is the mental obsession. We have a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And that based on this last couple of paragraphs, we're learning that knowledge, I mean, it's even in italics in that first paragraph, you know, knowledge alone, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. So what is being smashed home here? It's being smashed home that my mind, my mental obsession, the mental twist that I have when it comes to compulsive overeating, I do not think sanely. As a matter of fact, my mind is a liability when it comes to this. And then they move forward to tell us about Fred. You know, they talk about the disease, denial, delusion, and defiance. I mean, Fred frankly denies here. He is just at the beginning. We're going to see the progression. I mean, spoiler alert, we're going to see the quick progression of this disease, of this mental obsession, of the mind frame of a true alcoholic. And for me, as a true compulsive overeater. He frankly denies, it never occurred to him perhaps he could not stop drinking, he denies that he's an alcoholic, and he deludes himself into thinking that based on the knowledge that was given to him, that he should be, no problem, be able to stop. I mean, I understand that as well. I felt the same way. Based on knowledge, when I first walked into my Overeaters Anonymous meeting, based on what you all told me, sure, I got it. I'm just going to use my willpower. I'm going to use what I know to try to combat this disease. But we know this disease to be what it is and what we're learning. It's cunning and baffling and powerful. And my experience again and again and again, they talk about this program of ego reduction, was smashed home to me that I was powerless to put that, to not put that first bite into my mouth. You know, what a shocker it was to me, torturous. It never occurred to me that perhaps I could not stop eating. Whatever I put my will to prior, I was able to change that. But when it came to this, 
it had to be smashed home again and again and again. It talks about it in step one. Every natural instinct cries out against personal powerlessness. And it was only until I was beaten and pummeled by this disease that I was finally able to admit my powerlessness and that I of myself alone could not stop binging and in my account purging as well. Self-knowledge for me did not fix me of this disease. It could not because of my mental obsession. And we will go on to find out how this progresses with Fred that to the point where there is no thought whatsoever, which was certainly the case for me. There were so many times I sat screaming and crying, pounding on the refrigerator, five bites into a binge, going, how the hell did I get here? Based on everything that I knew, all that I had learned, and yet still I was putting the food into my mouth and killing myself with this disease. Self-knowledge will not fix it because of this mental twist that I have, that we have as true compulsive readers. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Appreciate that. Okay, a couple of things before I'm going to take names here. Um, Simon says, mute your phone by pressing star one. <laughs> so um, hopefully we can all do that because it's, man, it's hard to hear sometimes. And if you're like me, I can leave it unmuted. So star one's going to mute it. Otherwise, we can, uh, we can all, we can have Leah mute everybody and then come back in. But anyway, okay, so with that, let me, uh, let me say um, that we're going to be sharing again on the, she read the first paragraph for, uh, you know, uh, for context, and we're going to be uh, keeping our comments to the second paragraph. So who would like to share on what was read? Janice. Sally. Sally. This is Bella. Can I share? Reva P. Vasa O. All right. Let me tell you who I have so far. I heard Janice and Sally and Bella and Reva and Vasa. Who else? Okay. Let's let's go with that. Um, and if everyone can mute their phones now. And we're going to start with uh, Janice, followed by Sally. Janice, you're up. Well, thank you, um, Larry, and good morning to you, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Fred is my buddy. <laughs> um, they're all my buddies, but I identify so much with Fred. You know, I was a, a, a materialistic compulsive overeater. But I thought because of money, because of business, because of husband and all, you know, the instincts I had and the intellect, um, that I could get, I could do something about this disease. You see, I thought that I was in charge of my own destiny. And um, because I had so much pride, like it was said, I had so much denial that I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater, that I had so much arrogance, okay, and the delusion had to be smashed in my mind, not in my body, in my mind, because my mind controlled my body, that um, I, you know, I, I could do something about this. And, um, you know, if I believed that I could stop on my own, then that's what I would achieve. But, however, I couldn't do that. And with the money and the business, like a lot of us, I could not buy 
the solution. And um, I, I'll tell you the truth. I thought I could. I, I thought I could, uh, you know, I had extra money and I could go to this program or do this or have my husband write me scripts or whatever, whatever I had to do, and none of it worked. You see, my disease of compulsive overeating in my mind doesn't know who I am. My disease doesn't pick and choose. <laughs> they, they don't, my disease doesn't even know who I am. So you see, I thought, well, oh, I was this, I was that. I, it couldn't happen to me. Oh, yeah, this disease is a controller. It controls me, and I was no match for this disease because, because I had a spiritual problem, and money cannot buy spirituality or success or intellect. <laughs> and my mind had to be changed because my mind is where that obsession, where that drive was. You know, I was in the driver's seat of that mind, that obsession. When it said to me to jump, I would ju- I would say, how high? And uh, that's what would happen to me until I could surrender. Surrender to what? To a power greater than myself. But if I didn't think I was powerless, until I could find no other way, no other way, um, and, and surrender to my powerlessness, then I could start. So it's powerlessness and surrender to another power. If I'm not powerless, I don't need a power. And that's what happened to me, and that's my experience. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Larry, we can't hear you. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry, guys. Sally, go ahead and press star one. Oh, okay. Thank you, Larry. You're good, good thanks. Vision for you. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. Let me just start my timer here. And um, wonderful paragraphs to bring to us, again, some very important words to remind us because, um, like me, maybe you guys can identify, I've got this thing called, I call it selective dementia because I've got a pretty good memory for the big book and a whole host of other things. But when it comes to my disease, when it comes to my eating disorder, uh, I, I just don't remember. So I'm so blessed that we have this book, that I have this book, to remind me with these simple words to bring to my memory again of who I am and what my mindset was and truthfully what my mindset continues to struggle to be. You know, from the top of this page here where it says, thanks for the information, see ya. That was my dismissive thinking. And we see it again on the top of page 40 where he says he was positive. I myself have continued to have a mindset like this where I just have a hard time believing other people when they tell me, look, Sally, this is a progressive disorder. Look, Sally, it's not like a slam dunk. You get recovered, it's all over. We have a daily reprieve. And when I read these words, this guy, you know, in the middle of the story of Fred, this precious guy, Fred, 
to all appearances, he is a stable, well-balanced individual. Hey, guess what? I look good on paper, too. In the disease, I looked good on paper. But the reality was, I was like him. I was much ashamed. I walked around much ashamed, seeking rest for my nerves. And that's when I sought that rest in the food. But, you know, this guy, he tells us he just couldn't believe, couldn't believe that this was him, that he had this disease. He, he couldn't accept the spiritual remedy. And this is where I am even today. And I say this because when it comes to yellow light foods, yeah, I still have a few of those yellow light foods. I'm positive I can handle the stray ra- raisin that ends up on my plate in something that comes with it. I can handle that stray raisin. But guess what? I'm not so sure anymore I can handle that stray raisin. I was positive just like Fred. I thought I was all-knowing just like Fred. But I'm more and more open-minded about the nature and severity of my personal disease. I am more and more convinced it's a progressive disorder, and I'm more and more convinced I still, even now, after years of recovery, I still require an open mind. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Sally. Okay, so we have Bella and then Reva P. Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this service, this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Self-knowledge would fix it. Oh, it sounds very, very familiar. Before the program, I never heard about compulsive overeater, and I didn't know that I am a compulsive overeater. I just believe that self-knowledge would fix it. This time, for sure, self-knowledge would fix it. I was so sure that I have so much knowledge about overeater and about losing weight and about experience of losing weight that this time it would fix it. But it never came to real because I tried so many ways to lose weight, but I never stayed there. I always, my self-knowledge didn't help me. I always was losing and gaining, losing and gaining. And I really didn't understand what is going on with me. I really didn't understand. I have so much knowledge. And what happened this time that, again, I am in the food. It just brought me not to a safe place because I was angry, disappointed, jealous, upset, and you name it. Thank you, God, that now that I am in the program, and the first time that I heard a compulsive overeater, it was the first time that I felt home. Yes, I am a compulsive overeater, and I have an allergy in the body, an obsession in the mind, and it's nothing to do with my self-knowledge, and it's nothing to do with my self-power, because as a compulsive overeater, I have this obsession in the mind that will bring me again and again and again to the food, and it's not in my control, and it's not because I am bad, 
או not smart, או not uh, enough, uh, um, you know, strong. It just, I have this disease. This is the way that God created me, that I have an allergy in the body, an obsession in the mind, and I am powerless. I am powerless. By living the 12 steps, I found a loving, accepting, higher power. And this, by the, the 12 steps are helping me to live with this disease in freedom, to accept myself the way I am. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Okay, so we have Reva P. followed by Vasa. Reva, you're up. Thanks, Larry. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I relate to Fred. Thank you, Fred, for your story, because I, too, um, had things together. Things were okay on the outside, and I thought I was fooling everybody, and the only one I really fooled was myself, um, because it looked so good on the outside, I thought I could say that my insides were okay too, but they were so not. Um, and I love the words he's using and how he's thinking. You know, I know, I can do this, I will do this, I'm making up my mind, um, I will fix this, um, I'm positive of such and such. Those are dangerous um, thinking attitudes for me and the best place I can be um, is in an I don't know I'm not supposed to know I'm supposed to ask I'm not supposed to tell God the instructions I'm supposed to ask what do you think what is your will for me and then align my will with that and I also love the sentence at the top of page 40 where it says you know I, he, had, he conceded he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. And for me, that reminds me, if I don't start at step one and take that step 100% and admit that I am licked, I give up, I cannot do it, my best thinking gets me in terrible, terrible situations with the food. If I don't do that, I can't do the rest of the steps, and I'm not going to recover. And the last thing I'll say is I heard somebody share on this line, information is not transformation. I knew a lot, but that inner change only happens when I A, put down the food, B, work the steps, my mind, my thinking changed so that I'm open to God's way, not mine. Um, yeah, and that's, that's how it works. Um, so with that, I pass. Thank you, Riva. Vasa, Vasa, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Larry, for your service. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Massachusetts, um, Self-knowledge would fix it, and I had all the self-knowledge I could find before I came to the program. I could have been a nutritionist. I mean, I explored it all. I experimented it all. I counted calories. I measured. I weighed. Everything I heard what other people did, I did, and none of it worked. 
and I had no idea that I had the physical allergy with the sugars. I had no clue, and I had no understanding the obsession uh, with the mind that always called back for the food. Every time I tried to diet, I did good for a while, and the mind would say to me, oh, it's okay for you. You can go back. You can have only one or two of these things, and that was the end of my diet. With all my self-knowledge and my own willpower, I just it just did not work. I could not, I could not put the food down. And again, I've said it so many times, I thank God for bringing me to Overeaters Anonymous, and I found the solution. I, I didn't even know I was a, uh, I had food, I was a, I mean, I knew I could not stop eating, but there was no name for it. I didn't know it was food addiction. I didn't know it was eating disorder. I didn't know any of this stuff, you know. I just knew I could not put the food down, and it was getting progressively worse. So for me, the answer was coming to the program, and somebody handed me this book, and find you know reading the doctor's op- opinion, and it was just amazing you know. And I needed to find a power greater than myself because I could have never. I did try to do it by myself. It did not work. So um, that's what I needed to do is just to surrender with the food, and gradually my life and my will and work the 12 steps the way they're laid out. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Vasa. You know, when I, when I had the, um, the courage to start sharing my higher power, I, I noticed my higher power started to inspire me more and more. So with that, who else would like to jump in? Amanda R. Amanda. Renata. Renata. Suji. Mary Kay. Melissa Okay, there was someone, um, I have Amanda, Amanda, Renata, Tina, Sue, Mary Kay, Melissa. There was someone before there that I didn't hear. Who was that? Tina S. I think I already got you, Tina. Amanda, Renata, Tina, Sue, Mary Kay, Melissa, but there was somebody else. Maybe I'm hearing things. I don't know. Okay. Marie, Marie, okay. Marie, we'll put you in there as well. So let's go with that. Okay, let's start out with Amanda. Amanda, Amanda, you're up. Hi, this is Amanda R., and I am a recovering compulsive eater in Maine. And um, I have uh, sometimes a little bit of trouble uh, relating to these stories only because um, I don't live in the 1930s. And sometimes the, the descriptions just have to adapt them a little bit. So what I did with the story of Fred is I I took um, the concept of like Fred is he's like this attractive personality. He makes friends with everybody. You know everything's going brilliantly in his life and kind of like sorted around in my head. And I picked out somebody I know who. He just really seems to have everything together and he's always like, you know, seems so happy and, you know, successful in his job and and then I, I plugged this person into this story and um my immediate reaction was, Well, that person, he's he's got everything together. You know, he would he would never have a, a problem with compulsive eating or alcohol. 
And then I had to say, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Um, having a a problem, an addiction, is not a sign of being a messed up person, of, you know, of having something, you know, you you made a mistake long ago and you're being punished by having this addiction. And I I just didn't realize how much that, that attitude was in me from, I, I don't know where, just from, I guess, growing up, you know, hearing, oh, that person's got this drug addiction or alcohol and they really just need to pull themselves out of it. And, um, and that was, that's still in the back of my mind. And um, I guess... What I wanted to say is, here I am, I have an addiction, and I'm not ashamed of it. I, I'm working on recovering. I am reaching out to my higher power and trying to clear away uh, what's, what's in between my higher power and me uh, through the use of the steps so that um, my higher power can run the show. And I'm not ashamed of of the way I am or of doing what I need to do in order to recover, even though uh, a lot of my friends, family, my doctors just don't get it. They think it's weird. They think it's over the top. And um, But I, I love the 12 steps. They're really turning my life around. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Amanda. Hey, a gentle reminder, if you're waiting to talk, just uh, please uh, mute until it's your turn to talk. Appreciate that. And, um, and we're also going to focus on the text again that we read. We're, we're commenting on the second paragraph specifically. And Renata, you're up. Hi, Larry. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Reader in New York. Uh, I want to pick out a few things from this paragraph. You know, it says it was his first experience of this kind. And, you know, it says he he would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept spiritual remedy for his problem. And uh, that was my reality with this disease. You know, um, it took many, many, many humiliating experiences and failures and um, vengeance for me to fully concede that I could not, you know, uh, be free from this disease on my own power. I had to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying until I was convinced that it was not working. I remember, you know, when I would go on diets or follow, you know, a paid food plan or whatever, I would do well for a while, you know, because uh, I would not be triggering the the allergy of the body. And so, you know, I would keep the food down for a while. The binges would stop and I would lose some weight. And then all of a sudden, I would be eating like everything I could reach, everything. And uh, I remember my mom saying to me, like, I don't understand. Like, you know what to do. You know how to eat healthy. I don't know why you stop. And I. Except the pure top. Oh, there we go. You're back. Oh, am I cutting out? Yeah, you cut out for just a bit. You're good. Oh, thanks. 
I didn't realize that if I didn't accept the spiritual part of this program, you know, the 12 steps, my mind would always send me back to the foods that triggered that allergy of the the body. And so, you know, I had to fully admit that I had both parts of this disease. You know, I had a problem with certain foods and food behaviors. And also my mind was sick. You know, I needed help. I needed to to have a spiritual experience in order to, to be free of that obsession for the food. And uh, only when I accepted that, but, you know, when I kept trying on my own, it never worked. And Renata, we, we lost you there. <laughs> thank you so much for your share. You were coming in and out a little bit, so thank you, though. Okay, so we're going to move on to Tina next, followed by Marie. Uh, Tina, you're up. Thanks, Larry. Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Um, wow, that's a great paragraph. You know, uh, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. Uh, I also did not believe myself an compulsive eater and that I had this disease. Um, and much less, you know, except a spiritual remedy, you know. And people shared with me the solution, and I was interested, you know, and I knew I had some of the symptoms too. But again, thanks for the information. I got this from here. You know, I considered myself a pretty smart person. You know, I could figure my way out of this stuff, and, and it failed to realize that, you know, for many, many years, I had never figured my, my way out. But uh, I'll give it one more shot, and um, and you know, and I and what I do know today is that the only solution to me is the spiritual remedy, you know, and that was the only way out. You know, I had tried quite a few other things, many, many, to say the least, and um, and then you know, again, that's exactly what this book is about. You know, it gives me the solution. You know, in the first 164 pages of this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was given a remedy. I was given a spiritual solution. And I was also given a power greater than myself, which would solve all my problems. And he's not going to help me. He's going to solve them. You know, I have to take some actions, which I do one day at a time, by not picking up the food, by asking for him to keep me sober, absent, and sane, by sharing this message as best I can on any given day, and that by the end of the day, I have not, you know, relapsed into the into the, my foods uh, that set off the allergy. I've had a pretty good day. If anything else fails, that's okay. You know, I have I have a shot to move on with my life and to enjoy this happy, joyous, and free life that I'm I'm given today. So with that, I'll pass. And thank you very much. Thanks, Tina. Okay, we have Marie next, followed by Sue. Marie, you're up. Good morning, and Marie. Larry. Thank you for Hey, good service. morning, Marie. And good morning, everybody on the line. Um, I just love that line about self-knowledge, you know. And uh, when I was new to the program, I studied the book. I uh, learned to talk the talk. And that was all that was important because it was very important to my ego that I make an impression However, when I heard the term compulsive eater, I knew I was home. I had felt different all of my life. I knew I was different, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. And when I heard the term compulsive eater, I knew 
that was me. Uh, I, um, my trouble was I couldn't walk the talk. And uh, I've come to learn over the years, and it's been many years that I worked on recovery, and finally I realized that I am recovered because I've been abstinent quite a long time. All the learning that I did from the big book, from other people sharing all the identification, my ego took over and I started talking, parroting, saying all these beautiful things, but I couldn't put it to practice. And all in all these years I have learned that the most important thing is the application of this program in all my affairs, learning to live it. I had a lot of trouble for a while with my abstinence. I couldn't I'd get abstinent, but I couldn't stay abstinent. I'd lose weight. I'd gain it all back. Finally, I lost over 115 pounds and didn't have any trouble. You know, finally reached that point where I said, God, either you Either I go into this meeting and I do it their way all the way or I'm going to turn around and I'm going to eat myself to death because I can't stand the mental torture. And that was June 17, 2003, and I'm abstinent since then. And the last year or so, I had a little bit of trouble, gained a couple of, I mean, gained six pounds, let's be honest. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm obsessing about weight, which is diet. And I'm back to, on track, back to my program, my spiritual living, applying the steps into my life. And the weight is gone. We, I have to live this program. It's not about talking it. It's about walking the talk. I have to live it. I cannot afford anger. I cannot afford to be harboring a bunch of emotions and letting them build up into resentment and outbursts of anger. I am the real thing. Any of those, any emotional outbursts for me is a guarantee that I'm going to overeat, and I cannot afford that. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Marie. Okay, so we have Sue next, followed by Mary Kay. Sue, you're up. Um, I was unmuting you. Did you call me Larry, Sue? Yeah, yeah I can okay. hear you, Sue. You're yeah. up. I'm trying to not have a stall by waiting until you announce me to unmute. Um, this is Sue G. from Michigan. Uh, I appreciate your humor that you put into this program is such a serious program, and always to have a little bit of lightheartedness is, is healthy for us. So I thank you for that. Um, you know, I I can't relate to Fred yet, and that's because I was just the opposite. I mean, I knew I was a compulsive overeater, and I knew that I couldn't do it alone, but. 
until I was in vision for you, I didn't have the solution. Um, I never thought it was possible for me to, uh, I never, you know, I, I said, he says, you know, frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I never had that feeling that, you know, uh, I always felt that because of my, my lack of big book knowledge, I mean, I had knowledge, but my understanding of it wasn't there. Um, I never felt like certainly I would not drink again. I always felt like I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm, I've always failed. I'm going to fail. Um, I didn't have the self-confidence that could help me um, when I started to have the thoughts or started to um, go downhill or slip and slide in my thinking. So it took me a long time, and it was when I finally got into just a more recently, I've got two months in, and um, that's unusual for me to get that much in. So I'm thinking confidently now, which is good for me. And it's good for those around me and, and my program and for the meetings that when I can get to, that I can get to, that I can talk confidently and I can share the solution and be recovered. So, um, but I have to. It says it's only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. Nah, doesn't work for me. Um, I have to keep my God power and um, keeping on guard. Yes, keeping on guard for those things we watch for and watch for those things that can lead up to a binge <clears throat> or eating something that you shouldn't eat. Maybe I don't binge, but I might eat something that's not a good choice. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Okay, we have Mary Kay followed by Melissa. Mary? Good morning, everyone. My name is Mary Kay. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader just for today. Well, the first time I read this section of the big book and Fred's story, each time I read it, I get a little something more out of it or I look at it a little differently. And my early readings for this were um, a different kind of relationship to Fred because he represented all the people that I resented um, because I actually also, like Fred, felt um, and recognized that, that that God had blessed me with many gifts and, and given me many opportunities um, in this life that I could give credit to him for, but I never understood. I knew I had a problem with food until I got into the to the rooms and, and, and my sponsor gave me direction to go back to read the doctor's opinion because I was going to go straight to step four because I already had the first three steps down. But I would look at Fred and and know that he represented all the other reasons, all the resentment that I held. And for because I knew every single person had issues. I knew, but but my issue, my biggest issue that was manifested in all the excess weight I carried well over 300 pounds for more than half of my life, and I'm in my 60s, that, that I knew they ha- that he had issues too. And, but my issue was on the outside for everybody to see all the time. And even my recovery journey is not private because as I'm in, the, in walking a spiritual recovery and getting spiritual 
and emotional health, the physical recovery is coming and people are starting to notice. But in that noticing, it's not, a, like I say, it becomes not a private journey there. So, so Fred's story brings up all kinds of different um, different thoughts for me, and I know that through through the help of of God, whom I is my higher power, and through the the help of my sponsor and the people in these rooms and these meetings, um, I'm internally grateful and um, and for today because today I can walk in recovery, and with that I pass. Thank you, Mary. Okay, so we're going to have Melissa, and then Katie's just going to kick off the next uh, paragraph there. Melissa, you're up. Hi. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Stay, a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I, I read this, and what jumps out at me is um, he's depressed, he's ashamed, he's humiliated. Um, he has good standing and good character. And so he just makes up his mind, you know, to quit altogether. And, um, you know, it just demonstrates over and over to me that depression, ashamed, humiliation, um, that was never enough to get me to put it down for good. And just like this guy, um, you know, I had pretty good standing and good character. I had all the markings of a good life. Um I did wear my disease on the outside and extra weight and, um, you know, but I could not, um, my mind was not enough to get me to quit. And, you know, I'm thinking about some truly humiliating experiences. Um, you know, I had, um, a, a, a period of abstinence, you know, my early twenties and then into my late twenties, I had, Really, I was controlling, you know, I was controlling this this problem with um, gray sheet because I had some information too. I knew that I had an issue with sugar and certain foods, and so I made up my mind that I was just never going to eat those foods. And um, But I didn't, you know, work any other aspect of my program. Um, and so eventually the decision to pick up those foods, um, you know, it seemed logical. You know, there was a... I, um, you know, the problem exists in my mind. And so my mind created a reason that was, you know, plausible to me. And um, and so I began to eat again. And, you know, I remember um, I hadn't seen my parents for months. They lived in Florida. And um, I went on the plane to go visit them. And the seatbelt didn't fit me, you know. And uh, that would be humiliating enough. And, uh you know, I had to ask for the, the lap extender, feeling embarrassed by strangers around me that I was taking up too much of the seat. And then when I got off the plane, um, I saw my parents' face. And I, I saw on their, you know, on their expression that they were like, oh, my God. Um, and yet that was never enough to get me to put this down for good. I really needed... The problem um, to be solved not inside my mind, but by a power greater than me. I needed my mind to be transformed, to be changed. Um, and so, you know, food is no longer the solution. Um, it's always my higher power. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Hey, Katie F., can you get us started on uh, starting with paragraph 40? 
Good morning. This is Katie Up, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day, we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time, he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told is most instructive, for here was a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment and determination in all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. Let him tell you about it. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident that it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. So I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia, and I identify so much with this whole story. You know, we ended the last uh, reading with self-knowledge would fix it, and now he's um, on willpower and keeping on guard. And I, you know, I tried all of those things, and I thought that my knowledge of the 12 steps, my relationship with God, my um, ability to, you know, work 70 hours a week and do a great job and my ability to um, diet successfully, you know, for a couple months at a time and, and, get, and, you know, get close to my goal weight. You know, I just thought all of those things would, um, would keep me from ever going back to binging. And, you know, I sat in these rooms and I had never binged like, you know, the people I heard. Um, I was in my early 20s and, you know, I would go to these meetings and people would talk about, you know, just this list of how they ate. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'll never be that bad. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the progressive nature of this disease that, um, you know, I had to get, just like Fred, uh, anxious to talk to anybody who might have a new solution for me because, my way did not work. My way got me to where I was eating just massive amounts of food, uh, just unable to stop no matter how full I was, no matter if I didn't like it, um, no matter if I, you know, was humiliated by people seeing me eat so much. None of that mattered. It's, this is a progressive disease, and I had to be to the point where uh, I didn't trust my self-knowledge. I didn't trust my willpower in order to surrender to the, what, any, what someone else told me to do, which um, involved putting down the food in a way that I never had before and truly surrendering to things um, that some people might be able to eat and saying, no, I can't eat those. You know, someone earlier mentioned raisins. You know, raisins, I haven't eaten a raisin in 28 years because I can't eat raisins. I can't eat one raisin. Uh, some people can. You know, I had to fully concede to my inner myself that I was a compulsive overeater. And I fought that idea in these rooms. I thought that I had all this knowledge and that I would be able to just do part of what you said, but I didn't have to do all of it. And that got me 
to, you know, close to 200 pounds at the age of 27 and wanting to drive off the road. Um, that wasn't a program of attraction for anyone. And willingness and surrender is what saved my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Um, hey, you guys, what do you say we come back tomorrow and we'll learn more about this and we'll share on this uh, these uh, paragraphs. So thank you, everyone um, who has shared. Thank you specifically to the readers, Martha D. and Barbara N., Amy G., Katie F., and Gail T. in a moment here. Um, so uh, we, now what we'll do is we'll close from a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So Gail, you want to get us going on 164? Gail, press star one. Yes, I'm here. I'm just okay, thanks, Gail. Thank you. This is Gail T. from Texas. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you than to us. Ask God in your morning meditations what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come. If your own house is in order, but, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with God is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to God and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.